0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Motorsport Ministry, episode 10. And for our first double-digit episode of the show, we're going double digits for the guests this week. Joining me today is an old friend of mine on Twitter. Johnny, introduce yourself.
1: What's going on, Armani? Thanks for having me. Um, This is a big episode. I remember I got to, uh, when I I did my 10th, it was a big deal. Um, You've been doing a great job with this show. So yeah. Happy to be on. Um, You can follow me at Jot Podcast. Uh, I run a podcast uh, called Johnny on the Track. Um, Do a little quick thing. So uh, last night we just had Bob Pocris on the show. Uh, So that episode drops this week. So make sure to uh, check us out on YouTube, Johnny on the Track. Uh, But again, Armani, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. What a great uh, show we've got for sure.
0: Yeah, man, he does. This man does Great show, great podcast, got some fantastic guests on. I was a guest at one point, and um, right. fantastic that's show. Right. Give it a listen. You guys got to give it to a listen. If not, you're missing out. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so our, it's going to be probably a quick show today. Basically going to be talking about mostly what happened at Indianapolis. Now, I know there's been some news that's happened this week, but we're mainly going to focus on Indianapolis. I'll get more into the news probably in a later show. But let's jump right into it. So, I'm gonna ask you some questions, and you know, I'll give my thoughts. You can give your thoughts. So, the first topic is the Indy Road Course. This was a um, a very mixed bag in terms of the hype for this race. You know, you had some people who were excited to go to a new road course, new tradition, and then you had the old traditionalist fans who, you know, were saying that we should stay at the oval. What side did you fall on? If you fall on any side when it came to, I guess, when you were looking forward to this race?
1: That's, that's a good question, Armani. Um, and to me, I, I will always st- uh, stand by the, the Oval, um, the Indianapolis Oval to me. I've done a lot of NASCAR on the PlayStation, Racing Heat 4, Heat 5, Heat 3, all the old NASCAR games. And I, I will tell you, I'll be honest, that is my favorite track to race on. Um, and you, it's funny. Usually when you race on it in the video games, it's a lot like closer finishes. That is one thing that I don't like about Indy. Um, aside from like one of the very first uh, ones when, when Jeff Gordon won uh, and he battled Earnhardt early on. Indy doesn't always give a good finish. Um, it's no Indy car when it comes to the Indy 500. It's, it's basically just a crown jewel, which it should be. Um, but that's where I felt. However, um, I, I know we'll get into the actual race, but um, something about the road course, it was It was obviously entertaining. Um, I don't think it's a cheap kind of half-ass play to stay at Indy. Uh, I know you kind of discussed that a little um, before we were talking off the show. I, I don't think it is. I think this fits. I think the fans, those first two stages, there was some good racing. Um, That cannot be argued. And I think with that, um, this is going to stay.
0: Yeah, so going into it, getting into the racing. So aggression seemed like the perfect way to describe the race. Not even getting into the final 10 laps, but you saw like even as soon as lap one. You saw Chase Briscoe try to make an instant move on William Byron. They were going four or five wide, going to the corner. Lots of battles. Like Aggression seemed to be the name of the game for this race. Was that, some, was that something you were expecting coming into this weekend? Or did you think it might have been maybe more of like a tame race or maybe closer to like a, a Sonoma?
1: You know, that's, that's a good question. Um, and I, I think you have to keep in mind where we are, right, where we are in the regular season, a lot of storylines here. You got two races after this one being Michigan, which I mean, you could count as kind of like a 50, 50 wild card, but usually you're going to get, um, a standard winner you'd think of. And then you've got Daytona, which is anybody's ball game, literally anybody's ball game. Um, so here, right. You have to think. There's a lot of guys, right? The storyline, Chase Briscoe, can he win in his home state of Indiana? He's won here before in the Xfinities. Can he, can he get that done? Came with a good car, starts up top, having a good run early. And then, you know, you look at Almondinger who has a chip on his shoulder. He's just trying to. He was upset he didn't win the day before. So he's trying to get a win. You got Denny Hamlin, who hasn't gotten a win. He's trying to go for the regular season point standing. You got Redick, you got Austin Dillon competing for that points, the final spot. So, I mean, when you, when you look at it like that, um, I know your boy uh, Daniel Suarez tweeted something about how he was very upset with the, the kind of class um, lists, you know, driving attempts, especially on re- restarts that we were seeing, but I mean, going in, you have to think this is a new, it's a new um, track, right? The road course meeting is a new track on this schedule You got two, two races after this to secure your spot in the playoffs. If, if you're a a run in the mill driver, like a chase Briscoe, this, this is your shot. This is your shot to get in and to win. So absolutely. I I think that we should have expected. It would be like this. Sure. I mean, some of those restarts were uh, all hell broke loose, but I mean, it was entertaining and you could tell, which I I'll always appreciate guys wanted to win guys wanted to win and there was no like, you know, I, I just, I'm just coming here to, to have a good finish. No, everybody wanted to win and you could tell that.
0: Before we get to the final 10 laps, I'm glad that you mentioned the RCR bunch, you know, so Redick and Austin Dillon ever since Almirola won at New Hampshire, they have basically been in a dead heat for that final playoff spot. Now, unless Harvick falls off a cliff for these next two races, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's still going to come down to the RCR bunch. So we saw Redick and Austin Hill, they played the points game rather than try, trying to win the race game. Do you think that one of those two teams, I guess we'll throw Austin Dillon in there because he's been lagging behind compared to his teammate, sophomore teammate. Do you think the three bunch made a mistake to go for the points game instead of maybe trying to do the exact opposite of his teammate? Because they're like, now they came, they were like, well, like 15 points out going into uh, Indy. Now they're 28 points out. So do you think they made a mistake not trying to do something different, potentially try to go for the overall win, especially with how chaotic the final 10 laps have gone, as opposed to doing the exact same thing that his teammate was doing up front?
1: You know, I, I think that had to, a lot of that had to do with, with how the race was panning out. And if you had just watched those first two stages, you would, you would say, how in the hell would, you know, what happened in stage three happen? I mean, it was a clean race. It was a good race through the first two stages. Um, you know, the Elliott Larson battle at the end of whatever, uh, maybe stage one, I think it was. Um, it was a good battle. And so I think with that mindset, Austin Dillon came in with like, all right, let's just try to get the points. Um, Elliot Larson, they're fast up front. I don't think we can win, but we can kind of stand our ground. But I, I've said this, and I said this on um, my last week's episode of the podcast. I still think Austin Dillon is going to get in, and I think he's going to get in because I expect Harvick to win at Michigan this week. And I, I, I believe you like this tweet, so you might know where I'm going with this. I think Austin Dillon's going to win at Daytona. And um, I don't know. Something tells me that the three-team will find it. They'll find it late at Daytona. That's his track, really. His best track is absolutely Daytona. Um, he's really shown that he can run with the big guns at these super speedways, and I think he's going to clutch up and get in. So in that case, I also heard an interview with him that he's very confident in these Michigan and Daytona these last two weeks. So I think with, with him going through that mindset of, all right, look, if I just kind of keep toe with Tyler, I think I can beat him in two of my better tracks, uh, meaning Michigan and Daytona.
0: He is really good at Michigan. He won a stage there, I believe, in 2019, and obviously he has a win at Daytona. So let's get into the final 10 laps. Um, I don't even know where to start. (laughs) That just shows you how crazy those final 10 laps were. What do you think, I guess, like – because obviously we had the aggression and obviously the tire you know, obviously with the curbing. Do you see it as more of, um, I guess, let's say a NASCAR issue or more of an IMS issue? Or do you think kind of everyone's to blame or it was just a racing incident?
1: All right. So, so I, I figured you'd ask me this question and I'm going to, I'm going to throw it right back at you. In the, t- in the, in the eyes of NASCAR, I ask you, Armani, what what should they have done?
0: Well, you got to think about this. Remember, before that, you know, where everyone and their mother decided to turn into a dreidel and with five laps to go, that Truex had an issue and there was debris everywhere. So in that sense, you can blame NASCAR. However, for overall, it's hard to say because... You never had this issue at IMS before. This is the first time that's ever happened. And even for stock cars too, because I don't remember this happening during, you know, the Indy road course race for Xfinity last year. So it was kind of a freak accident. No one really saw it coming. If you were really to pin it on anybody, the only thing you can really pin NASCAR on is just not doing the caution for Truex, which that turned out to be pretty catastrophic. But at the end of the day, no one was going into this
1: race thinking, man, I hope that curb holds up. So so there you go. Right. And, and, and that's the that's the point. I saw a lot of people blaming NASCAR, but but in reality, the curtain, nobody knew right stage one and two that that was going to happen. But clearly it, it was bound to happen because we only ran about, I don't know, like 60, whatever it is, laps. And there goes the curving. Right. So so clearly that was going to happen no matter what in terms of you talk about the, the flag being thrown, I think no matter what a, a caution would have been thrown at the end, just with the way the race was going, obviously they didn't throw it early enough. Yes, that's, that's true. Um, because honestly, if they threw it earlier, you don't have D Benedetto up top and that like top, whatever six it was. And I think it turned out to be that D Benedetto kind of knocked out Larson and, um, and gave him like the, the, he was up there and then he got kind of foiled back and he didn't have that, um, that chance to even get, get the win there. But, but really though, like this, this was going to happen no matter what that curb was going to blow no matter what clearly. And in, in that case, I don't think you can blame NASCAR and you can't blame IMS. I mean that it's, it's a, it's a, a monumental place, a historic track, I think this is just one of those things where freak stuff happens, right? Freak stuff happens. The uncontrollable happens. And, and off of that with things that you can't control happening, then you end up having a good end to the race, right? I know a lot of people were upset with how it ended. Um, were kind of like, you know, the caution should have been thrown, but in the end, this was going to happen. Clearly it was going to happen. And so in that case, I, I, I don't think you can blame anybody.
0: Let's go to the Let's go to the topic that Suarez said, where you know, he thinks that just the respect in terms of drivers just went out the window at IMS. Do you so we've seen this in especially in the lower divisions, especially arca west, arca east, and the main arca. We've seen it a little bit in trucks, we've seen a little bit of Xfinity, and we've definitely seen the cup. Do you think this is as much of an issue as cup? It's getting to that issue as it is already in like, let's say the Arca series, or do you think we at least have enough level-headed drivers, enough mature drivers to where, you know, it's not something to worry about for the time being?
1: Yeah. I mean, Arca is a mess. Um, I gotta be honest. I gotta call it like I see it. Arca is a mess. Um, Those guys, it makes sense because they're young, they're immature. Um, You know, I, I don't really fault them for, you know, being young and immature, you go back to look at Kurt Busch when he was young, Kyle Busch when he was young. I mean, you can make these these Denny Hamlin even when he was young. You can make these same arguments about the lo- a lot of the drivers um, early on in their careers. However, taking it to the Cup Series, um, again, it's it's a new track on the series, this road course configuration. It's brand new. There is two races. I'll say it again. There's two races before playoffs. There's a lot of storylines going in you, you, we, we really haven't seen as bad as it was on Sunday earlier this season. And at least in cup, um, that Knoxville truck race was another, (laughs) another behemoth of its own, but we haven't really seen, um, any, I guess, dirty racing throughout the season. Not, not that I can remember off the top of my head. So, again, you got to realize, like, I get it. I get sw- why Suarez is upset. Guys were just diving in the corner, running people off the track. Um, I took a look at the replay. Denny Hamlin did run Chase Briscoe off the track. That doesn't mean that Chase Br- and Chase Briscoe did purposely wreck Denny Hamlin. Um, that's that's what I, I believe. Denny, he ran him off the track, and Chase just wanted to get back at him and make sure that he didn't win the race. I'm fine with that, um, but that's, that's what I think happened, and – Look, Suarez, like I said, has a right to be upset. Watch De Benedetto, like one of the cleanest guys in the Cup Series. Watch his last two restarts. I mean, he's banging it in there, knocking people by the bumper. Um, but, I mean, look, it is it is what it is. These are guys. These are competitive guys. And I think if this was if, – if you look now and say this was the fifth race of the season or – this was kind of mid into the playoffs where uh, I don't know, like three quarters of the field didn't need a win or or aren't competing for anything. I think you have different restarts, but because where it was placed in the schedule um, which maybe NASCAR can now avoid and say, all right, this is probably not a a race. We want to go with, you know, one, two weeks left in the regular season. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's my thoughts on it.
0: Let's go to the chase Briscoe Denny Hamlin incident. Like you mentioned, you think that Briscoe did intentional. I believe he did an intentional also. Because, yeah. you know, Briscoe could say all he wants, but at the end of the day, it's like you you don't do what you did by accident. That just right. doesn't happen. Let's go to um, the beginning of the lap, on lap one, where Hamlin pushed Briscoe off the track, and then Briscoe decided, you know, mow part of the IMS infield. Do you think he should have at least expected a penalty just from the sense of like, just because, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk out there. And even I agree where it's like, whether you get a penalty or you don't, that's not your mindset. Your mindset is just to go out and get the win by all means necessary. But even then, do you think Briscoe, I don't really want to use this term. Cause it kind of makes me sound like a derogatory Briscoe, but I'm going to use it anyway. Do you think Briscoe should add at least like, kind of like the common sense to know, Hey, I'm cutting the corner by a lot, and his spotter maybe should have told him you're side by side with Hamlin rather than you lost a spot. Do you think Briscoe should have anticipated that? And if he did, because we now he's saying he didn't, do you think that it would have changed how he approached that final lap, or would he just done what he did regardless?
1: So if if you watch it back um, when they go when they go into turn one and Around So around goes Hamlin and he doesn't give Briscoe any, any space. However, Briscoe there, there is a little space. So, so Briscoe could have also raced it and, and kind of just not like intentionally like door slam, but, but rub rub doors with Denny. And then probably both of them would have, would have fit on that um, kind of, you know, left side of the, the track there. So th- th- that could have happened. Briscoe said, I can't fit it. I'm going to cut the grass. Normally, you would say, Well, he, he got forced off the track. Um, like that's what happened w- with the yellow line. You get forced under the yellow line. You can kind of still go for a little bit under the yellow line, but at some point, you do have to get back on the track, right? And so this was an interesting scenario because Briscoe clearly got forced onto the grass. But he cut off so much of the track that at that point, he he, he had to have known, oh, I'm going to probably get a penalty because nobody, like you said, common sense, nobody in their right mind would think that's not a penalty. Now, again, I'm, I'm defending him because he did, I, I believe he did get ran off the track, but um, he he should have known i mean how do, how do you not how do you not know that that's not going to be a penalty that was his excuse but you and i you and i see it the, the same way he probably knew he got a penalty he's like god damn like now denny Hamlin's going to win this race i had a freaking shot at this and you cost me it so he he just goes straight into him straight into the back of him you watch the replay it's the same thing he hits him in the in the uh, right rear quarter panel clearly gets him, spins him out. Um, So he knew what he was doing. He knew, I I think both times he knew what he was doing. He wanted to, (laughs) he wanted to try to, you know, win the race. So the easiest way to win the race after you get forced off the track is just fly through the grass and meet back up with the guys in first. And I give him a lot of credit. Somehow he still had a lot of speed and was like competing with Hamlin after lawn mowing the grass. Um, Yeah. I thought he was going to just short his splitter. I thought he, I thought he was too, because again, he kept a lot of pace through the grass and once he, once he finished through there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, again, you and I see it the same way. Hamlin, Hamlin forced him off and Briscoe said, screw it. If I'm going down, you're going down with me.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with it too. I think Briscoe was kind of, especially because for someone like Briscoe more, not just even for sense of a playoff spot, but like you mentioned before, this is his hometown. I mean, they mentioned the broadcast; has like 60 of his family members were at the track. So maybe mentally, in a way, Briscoe is kind of like, okay, you're embarrassing me in front of my family, so I'm going to retaliate. Maybe yeah, this and- happened like at a Watkins Glen or a Sonoma. You may not have seen the same thing, but probably because of, you know, I guess the significance that this track brings to Briscoe, maybe that just brought something out of him we've never really seen him do before.
1: And I, and I think that's a fair point. Um, You know, it's, it's tough for, for he's a young kid. He's a rookie. He brings, like you said, like the whole family there. I think he's like newly wed to his wife um, or, you know, she, she just had a baby or something like that. So um, I'm sure like, you know, that's gotta be tough for, for the kid. You know, he's, he's got a shot to win it in his first time there. The first time the cup series has ever driven there. I mean, look, you know, that is just tough for a young kid and you heard jeff burton um talk about it post-race he said you know there's probably a lot going through that kid's mind i mean it it is what it is it's it's tough to to win first of all in the cup series and it's even harder to be a rookie so um i'm gonna cut him some slack uh for you know for for his actions for sure
0: yeah i'll cut him some slack too especially because we never really seen him do something like that before so kind of different if it was like a Kyle Bush or like a Joey Logano where, you know, if you know they're going to do it, you know, they're kind of like, what the hell are you doing? So, <laughs> Risco, you can cut us some slack. Um,
1: yeah, I, I agree. I agree.
0: So, going a little bit off topic, or at least I guess off topic in terms of series, kind of lost in all this was the fact that this was the first, I guess, properly scheduled official NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader. Now, obviously, we had that last year with the Brickyard 400 and in- one of IndyCars, you know, like 20,000 races at the IMS road course. But this was like the first time where they scheduled it, it was like, yes, yeah, this is going to be a double header plan. Did you enjoy it as a doubleheader or did you kind of just kind of just forget about it? Cause Like, oh, yeah, that's right. IndyCars here.
1: No, I-, I did enjoy it. Um, I did enjoy it. And I'm not I'm, I'm a bigger Formula One fan than I'm a, I am IndyCar um, I thought it was cool to see Jimmy Johnson out there and actually put up a run that like, wasn't humiliating <laughs> to a lot of fans. Um, not that he like ran, you know, top 10 or whatever, but he, 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 he was, he didn't look like a fool out there. Um, uh, like some of the other races and practices he's, he's been uh, involved in. So that was cool. And then I think too, you know, the, 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 the differences between the two audiences, IndyCar, Formula One and NASCAR, right? Um, and I'm I'm bunching them together. I'm bunching IndyCar and Formula One together. A lot of them can't cross over to the NASCAR realm because, you know, they they say, uh, you know, it, it's only left turns. It's it's four left turns. That really doesn't um, you know, I, I'd rather watch cars go even faster, going like street courses and turning left, right. I mean, there's a lot more there. So I think this is a perfect doubleheader because you do get to see the, 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 uh, the cup cars, the NASCAR cars go left, go right on a tough course that IndyCar um, also races on there. So I think it's great for NASCAR because you're combining these two audiences. And sure, yes, like you and I, we're an, uh, an audience that overlaps. We watch it all. But there's, there's some people that don't. Some people do, in fact, prefer IndyCar Formula One um, you know, well over NASCAR. So I think this is a great win for NASCAR to bring those people, bring those fans over, um, and for them to enjoy. And I, I believe it's something that we'll continue to see, um, within, you know, at least the near future. Do you think
0: that this new NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader, should it stay at IMS or should it go to a different track?
1: Well, so that's another. That's a good question. That's another interesting point. Um, I think it's good here, but at the same time, I think you can you can just tell some cities that really are going to blow up with NASCAR. One being Nashville. I think if and I know the Nashville race didn't really go that well um, in terms of IndyCar. However, I think that would be a great um, you know back to back if. You had the oval NASCAR racing on Sunday and, um, you know, maybe this Saturday you then had or uh, you know, the Saturday before you had the Indy car through the streets. Um, you know, they're, they're thinking about the, through the streets of Miami, maybe you could double up there in Homestead. Um, I think there's other ways to go where, especially, like I said, Nashville is such an up and coming city and one that really likes their, their racing. Um, I think that's a good spot. But right now, I think it's a really good win for NASCAR to ride this Indy um, doubleheader out. Like I said, it, it crosses over two audiences that maybe don't always come together. Um, and I think it's I think it's a big win.
0: Yeah, that's one reason why I think that the road course of NASCAR would work. They should keep it just for that doubleheader sense. It's like, hey, if all else fails, we have a doubleheader. Speaking of if we have a doubleheader, do you think we could see or we can or should see multiple double headers or should this be just like a one-off for the year? So like only once a year, or should we see like maybe four or five or six double headers?
1: So I was hoping you asked me that. And um, I think another one that would fit perfect is obviously NASCAR is in on Coda. They enjoyed racing there. The, the drivers loved it. They loved the place, the track, the atmosphere, another up and coming city. I think that could be a doubleheader with Formula One. I think right now um, they're expected to race in early October is when they come to America, um, but I think that is a possible way to look at a doubleheader. Um, in like I said, Indianapolis is a good doubleheader. I think, you know, it, it really depends on. If people are really enjoying it as much as they are, you look at the Pocono race, and I know that was just a NASCAR doubleheader, but people really, did, people really enjoyed it. Tickets sold well. The um, the viewership was good on those races. So if people are willing to, you know, go go somewhere for an organized event that, um, you know, caters to their audience, I think it's a great idea, and I, I really think the next one should be look for that double header. NASCAR should look for the double header for Formula One and NASCAR because those au- the, those audiences, if you think IndyCar and NASCAR audiences differ a tad, the, the Formula One audience and NASCAR's audience differ a whole lot. So that would be a big win if NAS- if you know diehard NASCAR fans could get into Formula One and vice versa there.
0: I was actually going to ask you that. If you think NASCAR Obviously, so you agree that NASCAR should do a double header with Formula 1?
1: Yes, do absolutely.
0: Think, do you think it is kind of looking at every single factor, you know? Because one of the main things that they were talking about with the header, one of the main issues might be with NASCAR and IndyCar, was that which series is going to get, I guess, the major spotlight, NASCAR or IndyCar? Now, you're going to say nine times out of ten NASCAR just because it's bigger than IndyCar. F1 is going to be a lot different because while NASCAR may be bigger in the United States, F1 is bigger globally. So putting that into fact and then putting everything else into consideration like garages, maybe how long they're going to spend at the, you know, their weekends. Do you think that a NASCAR and Formula One doubleheader in this day and age is really
1: possible? Yeah, no, I do. I do. I, I really do. And I, it's funny you say that because I I do think I think you're right. I think it would probably benefit Formula One more than it would benefit NASCAR, um, just because one like that race is already in the United States. It, it draws a huge crowd when the Formula One cars get there. Um, but you know if if NASCAR fans now can watch a Formula One race and then a NASCAR race at COTA, I mean that that's something that. I don't think you can turn. To, I, I really don't. I really don't think you can turn that down. Um, and I, I'm, I, you know, I'm forgetting even the question you asked. But I'm just talking about the fact that there, there is a, there is a demand for that kind of thing, that doubleheader, and especially um, at such a, a track that um, I don't know is in is in high demand right now. NASCAR really wanted Coda on the schedule. That was the one that they had been trying to get for a while and um, they were able to get it this year. Great turnout. A lot of fans came. And then if you could double that with a formula one weekend, are you kidding me? That would be huge for, um, for, I think both sports, but again, it would really blow up um, formula one in, in uh, a growing sport in the U S it would continue to make that grow.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think the main issue would just be, is I guess more of a pride thing. Just which series is going to be seen as the main draw? But I think both series have enough of a giant fan base that they'll kind of even themselves out.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I agree. I think that's a fair point. Uh, that so that was your question. What 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 do you think would take like the giant role? Personally, me, I think it. I, I honestly do think it would be Formula One. Um, they've been doing that a little longer than NASCAR, not, not much longer, but a little longer than NASCAR do, um, has been doing it. But at the same time, I think if you put the, the formula one race on Saturday, um, and then put the NASCAR race on Sunday, which, which I'm sure they would do the, the NASCAR race would still get its love because it's that second, it's that final event, even though it might be overshadowed by, um, the formula one event being as big as it is.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I don't think F1 would ever go on a Saturday unless it's a Saturday night, though. That and especially because Formula One only goes to America once a year, might be as many as twice a year now. I do think it will give Formula One that edge.
1: Yeah, no, for sure.
0: So going to our final topic, we got... Our traditional race weekend rankings sponsored by Johnny B's Barbershop. If you're in the South Florida area, specifically around the Davie Road and Sterling Road area, head over to the Johnny B's Barbershop. Rob, Johnny, Will, the folks over there, they'll give you a great haircut, great conversation, great time. Hot towel shaves, great prices, you can name it. So head over to Johnny B's Barbershop if you're in the South Florida area today if you need yourself a cut or shave. So. This is how it works obviously you said you've seen the show so and you said that you have your own race weekend rankings as well
1: yep for sure
0: so we're gonna do it a little bit different from now and this is especially for now on um so instead of kind of just giving a little bit of a rundown for the race you know i'm gonna give you a a biggest moment the best moment in my opinion and the dullest slash worst moment in my okay. opinion okay So, we got three races. We got the IndyCar race, the Xfinity race, and the Cup Series race all in Indianapolis. So, you ready? I'm ready. Number three, I got the Big Machine Spiked Coolers Grand Prix, the IndyCar race. I gave it a five out of ten, which in my ranking is about, you know, middle of the road, an average race. The biggest moment for me was Alex Pillow blowing an engine on lap 68, mainly because of the championship implications that that presents. Pillow has been the points leader basically the entire season and to blow an engine with only four, three races to go to bring the points gap down to like, I think 21 points. Yeah. that That, that spells, you know, a lot of, you know, maybe anxiety for that number 10 team who, you know, they're trying to win their first championship and to have a blown engine this late in the season. That's a pretty big moment. Best moment in my opinion, is when Rossi versus Award for, I believe, the fourth position with about 15 to go. They were battling pretty much for, I believe, an entire lap or an entire two laps. and It was just a really damn good battle. The dullest moment for me in the race, and I'm a fan of him, so it's kind of kind of a little sound, a little hypocritical. Willpower winning the race, to me, just was very dull. For the main reason of this happens every year for the past, like, three or four years, where it's like, oh, Willpower – He's having a slump. He might not win. He's washed up. And then he always just has that one race where he completely dominates. And then everyone's like, oh, he's good again. So happened last year. It happened in 2019. We fell for it again in 2021. So for me, that was the dullest moment. And the race overall was kind of just average. You know, there weren't really it wasn't anything grandeur, wasn't anything terrible. It was just an average race. that's why I gave it a five out of 10.
1: Yeah, no, for, for sure. I think that's it. Those are all good. Um, I would pro I would give it a six out of 10. Um, I think the event overall coupled with NASCAR, um, just, just fit well. Like I said, we would talk about that a lot, obviously, but I think it fit well. So what am I doing? So best moment is first,
0: um, your biggest moment, like the biggest moment of the race, it doesn't have to be, you know, good or bad. It could be whatever. Then your best moment and then your dullest slash worst moment.
1: Okay, biggest, best, dull. All right. So biggest is willpower winning. Um, I I do think it's a big deal for him to win, and I'm I'm with you. Um, he does go through a slump, but this was needed for him. Um, this was a much needed win for uh for Will. And I think I don't know if he'll carry it over because usually he doesn't. Um, but it is a big deal when um when a guy gets his first win of the season. Best moment. I said this earlier. It was just to see Jimmy Johnson perform, not even perform well, but but just to not look like and to I, look competent. I, exactly. I was gonna say look like an idiot out there. Um, that that's tough because I love Jimmy Johnson, but I mean there has been some times where he's just looked not good, like terrible. Um, so so that was the best moment for me being a being a Jimmy Johnson fan for quite some time. Oh man, the dullest moment, probably the finish. Um, I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't really that close at the end. Um, I mean, we kind of knew willpower was going to win it with like, I don't know, a couple laps to go. So it was kind of a dull finish. Nothing like the, uh, the NASCAR finish. All
0: right. To go a little bit off topic, we didn't really talk much about IndyCar, but um, let's just go through some, I guess I got some questions that just came up about the IndyCar race, really just two or three. Number sure. one, what do you think the implications could be for the championship with Polo blowing that engine?
1: Well, I mean, like you said, um, the points are now tight. Um, I, <laughs> it's it's funny. I was really high on Colton Herda um, early, and he has. I mean, I don't, I don't. He really hasn't had a, a great season um, besides early on. But it's, it always seems like the storylines are trying to trying to align around Herda. Um, and I don't know, he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't really lived up to, um, to it, but like you said, it's a close race now. I think it'll, it'll drive viewership, um, to, to watch the end of this season. And I don't know. I mean, who, who, who do you, who's your pick now? Who do you think's going to win this?
0: I think it's going to be Pelot. I think he just held on for so long. He's been so consistent as long as, you know, the failure, as long as he doesn't get any more failures, I think he'll hold on.
1: All right. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: And um, God, I had another question. I already forgot about it. So <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's move on to the second race on my All list. Right. The Verizon 200 at the Brickyard, aka the Cup race. I gave it a 6 out of 10. It was an above average race. Now, if you took out the final 10 laps, I'd probably give it a 9 out of 10. Very good. Fantastic race. Biggest moment. The curb failure with five to go, I mean, it was the biggest talking point. You can also say, you know, Hamlin and Briscoe, but I don't think that all would have, you know, transpired potentially if it wasn't for that curbing. My best moment was Hamlin versus Briscoe. Not necessarily in the sense of, you know, you know like, oh, whether Briscoe did was right or wrong or whether Hamlin did was right or wrong, but just to see such an intense battle at the final two laps for the race, for the win, and to have a talking point come out of it. I think that's really good for NASCAR. Again, whether, you know, whether it's what side you fall on, any bad publicity is, you know, any publicity is good publicity. Mm -hmm. My worst moment is my biggest moment, the curbing issue and the cleanup. Because, again, you can make that argument that NASCAR should have thrown the caution after what happened with Truex, and that we wouldn't have, again, 20, 10, 20 cars pile up And just the cleanup process to let James Davison, you know, drive around the track with leaking oil to delay the race even more. I know that was unacceptable. That was
1: terrible.
0: So the Verizon 200 to Brickyard is second on my list.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm going to, man, I got to give that. So, so that would be your second. So I guess my second then would be the Xfinity race. Because, but you know, I'll just I'll just match the, the cup race. So the cup race for me was the best of the three. I'm gonna give it an eight point five out of ten, and I I know that's that's probably a little high, but anytime you get to see AJ Allmendinger win a race, um, that automatically makes it at least an eight. Um, so that's that's the 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 rating I'm gonna give it. Best moment probably. I would say, yeah, probably Dinger crossing it and um, crossing that finish line and getting that win and seeing the emotion. Biggest moment, for sure, the curb. When the curb came up and, um, you know, you saw half the field go around, that was, I mean, that's something we we genuinely won't forget for quite some time. Um, just that image of the curb, all the cars spinning, Logano going headfirst into the tires I mean, it's something, like I said, we're not going to, we're not going to forget for quite some time. And then dullest moment, probably, um, just waiting, waiting, like you said, for, it was probably close to an hour. We had to wait for that red flag to get cleaned, to then go yellow. And then they did a lot of yellow laps, like you said, with uh, Davidson leaking oil so that's probably my dull moment, just having to wait and, and listen to the announcers try to fill storylines for like 60 minutes.
0: Yeah, that like I said, that cleanup, that officiating was just terrible. So for number one on my list, again, if that final 10 laps didn't go so terribly, I would have put the cup race above. But mm-hmm. I think just those final 10 laps, especially those final five laps, were handled so poorly that it docks it down that many points for me, because that's just unacceptable, in my opinion. That Those final five laps were unacceptable, in my opinion. So for me, the number one is the Pennzoil 150 at the Brickyard, the Xfinity race. I gave it a 7 out of 10. It was a good race. Biggest moment for me was the Orange Strip crash on lap two with you mm-hmm. know basically all JGR, had a couple back markers there as well. The best moment for me was Justin Haley's Stage 1 win where he made that move on Riley Herbs to get the win. And my worst moment again coincides with my biggest moment, which is the orange curb issue.
1: Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Um I I would um biggest moment, absolutely, the curb issue. Uh can you hear me? My audio's going. I can hear you. Yeah, hey, right, perfect. You're um so yeah, the 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 curb issue there um, early in the race took out some big names like uh, Harvick was one it took out Sam Mayer took out um, so yeah I mean that was that was huge best moment oh man I mean I don't know probably to see I, honestly and I'm a Chase Elliott fan but to, to not see him win and um, because I've weep the field in this race. Um, so to see somebody else like Sindrick, who obviously is a, is a road course ace at this point in the Xfinity series, and we'll see if that carries over to the cup series, but um, yeah, it, it was honestly to see a competitive race and, and not to see one guy just go out and, and blow out the field. And then the dull moment for me or the worst moment was Cindric um, beating out Almendinger, especially because that was before the cup race. And you could tell, like, they were making a big storyline of how bad Allmendinger wanted to win here. Um, so that was tough for me to not see him win. But then, I mean, I don't know. It was just awesome to see him finally get one uh, with, with the cup win.
0: So let's just – I'll give you my rankings, then you give me yours. So number one for me is the Xfinity race. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Number two was the cup race. I gave it a 6 out of 10. And number three was the IndyCar race. I gave it a five out of ten.
1: Yeah, so for me, um, 8.5, I gave the Cup race. Seven, I gave the Xfinity race. And then a six, um, I, I agree. I think you gave it a six as well with the IndyCar race.
0: IndyCar race, I gave, I
1: believe, a five. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So I gave it a little bit better than that.
0: <laughs> All right. So that's it for our show today. Um... John, you got anything you want to say?
1: No, I mean, other than just um, we got a really exciting couple weeks left um, with Daytona and Michigan. Like I said, I think Harvick's going to win Michigan. I think Austin Dillon is going to win Daytona, and um, that would leave the fact that Daniel Suarez and Trackhouse would not make the playoffs, meaning that you would then come on my podcast and, um, you know, we would discuss how you were wrong. And I was right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so yeah, we'll have to uh like I said, that's coming soon. So um yeah, Johnny on the track for those that want to listen, look me up at Jot Podcast on Twitter. Um, and like I said, Armani and I will be doing a- another podcast on my show pretty soon.
0: Well, I mean your Daytona pick is already wrong because Suarez is gonna win Daytona, so
1: <laughs> so that's how it's gonna play out then. Yep. All that's right. how it's gonna
0: play out. Swartz are winning Daytona. I well, all right.
1: So that's gonna I'm make insane.
0: it. I said he'd either win Daytona or one of the Pocono races, and obviously he didn't win any of the Pocono <laughs> races. So Daytona's the only option.
1: Yes, that that would. Uh, you're you're going out on a limb there. That the very last race of the season, he's gonna win the clinch. But that, again, th- I'm
0: doing with Swords exactly what I did with John Hunter Nemechek last year.
1: Well, that's fair. Um, although I, w- I honestly would have gave Hunter Niemczek a better chance uh, at this point than Suarez to win at Daytona. Um, but that's fine. We're gonna save this for for my show in a couple weeks, and uh, that's when we'll hash this out. And um, somebody will be right, and one of us. <laughs> at Probably this point, me. it's looking like one of us. At this uh, point,
0: I'm hoping. this point, I'm hoping Suarez can finish a race.
1: Yeah, I mean that's yeah. That's, uh, that's just another, that's an obstacle he has to get by before he can even think about winning. Um, so yeah, stay tuned, everybody.
0: All right, Johnny on the track. Once again, man, thank you for coming on the show. First guest of the motorsport ministry. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode.